Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we hear from Pastor Heather Lewandowski on Stronger in Words. Now here is Pastor Heather. Well, good morning. I want to say ahead of time, excuse my voice. I was in a graduation in the rainstorm for an hour and a half. So, but you know what, rain or shine, we are so proud of all of our graduates, and my goodness, what a great future we have ahead of us, right? And you know, today I am so excited. In fact, I was kind of nervous that I wasn't nervous. Have you ever gone into like something and you're like, I really should be nervous? But I am so calm, so if I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm really passionate about what I have to speak on this morning. In fact, when you're assigned something, a passage from the Bible or scripture verse, sometimes you need to break out the concordance, you need to know the Greek and the Hebrew, search the commentaries, pray to God for wisdom of how do I make this relatable to the audience where they can have a takeaway and transformation where they don't fall asleep on me, or you online move to the baseball game or something. So just stick with me this morning, because it's gonna be good. And today's message is gonna be so obvious, so blatant, that even if we had our preschool class coming in, they would get the point. In fact, sometimes it's the simple things that are the hardest to absorb and to become proficient in. And we always need constant repetition and reinforcement to get those things. I think about these graduates of how many spelling tests or math equations or papers have you had to write and you're like, man, I learned this. And over and over and over again, it takes years of practice to become proficient in these things. And this morning, I'm gonna be talking about managing our mouths. Everybody go, ooh. And point to your neighbor and say, this is about you. <laughs> but it seems like such an insignificant thing. Everybody's still pointing. It seems like such an insignificant thing. It's like the ABCs, the one, two, threes of the basics of being a Christian. Even those who don't have anything to do with Jesus know the importance of tethering our tongues. And so today, we're gonna just kinda take a back step and we are gonna go back to kindergarten. I mean, you guys love the smell of Crayola crayons, the taste of this salty Play-Doh. <laughs> I ate it. But you know, the word kindergarten actually comes, it's a German word for kindergarten, a child's garden. And it's a place where children can be nurtured and grow. And isn't it amazing, I was thinking about this, that God planted Adam and Eve in a garden where he desires us to thrive and grow. And there was this popular book and it said, all I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. So we're gonna kinda go over a couple of these. It says share everything, play fair, don't hit people, Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. And this is my big one. 
flush. <laughs> but we're going to go down a little bit further, and it, it tells you a little bit more. But it says, remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup? The roots go down and the plants go up, and nobody really knows how or why. But we are all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die, and so do we. And when you, and then remember the Dick and Jane books and the first word you learned, the biggest word of all, look. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We are going to take his advice and we are going to look at what God has to say about bridling this powerful appendage in our mouth. So I'm gonna have some students come up, some of our graduates, and they're gonna line right up here. And I would like us to stand this morning because God's word is holy. And we are going to read from today's passage. It's found in James 3, and it's verses 1 through 12. So it's pretty lengthy, and, but I think it's, it's very important that we not only read it, but you get the context of it. So we're going to start with Evan. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, James 3, 1 through 12, and the verse says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put this into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. Hmm. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither a salt spring, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let's pray over God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that your word is life, that it is truth, that it was a gift sent from heaven above to show us, Lord, how we should live, but also how short we've fallen of your glory and how much we need you. God, I pray this morning that it would penetrate hearts, that it would transform minds, and it would change lives. In Jesus' name, and all of us said, amen. amen. You guys could go ahead and have a seat. Oh, <laughs> I have two mics. <laughs> you know what, back to kindergarten, one of the first one of the first songs that I learned was, Oh, Be Careful. So we're gonna do a little test. Do you guys remember the Oh, Be Careful song? 
All right, so you guys fill in blanks. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you? All right, this is the next one. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you? Oh, be careful, little hands, what you? Touch or do, depending, yes. And for today, and we'll sing the final verse, and for today, oh, be careful, little tongue, what you? Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you? For the... Woo, give yourself a great big hand. My son Hayden, who graduated yesterday, and I don't know if I'm gonna cry. I cried, I cried at random times yesterday. It's a huge deal, but he did not speak till he was over two years of age. I didn't get a mama, I didn't get a dada, I didn't get anything. And in fact, I took him to the doctor to find out if there was something wrong with his hearing or if he had a developmental delay. And we would read books together. And I would point to the book and I would say what the thing was and then he would just point to it. So I was like car and he'd point to the car. And he understood everything perfectly he just did not say a word. And it got to the point to where I had to start using sign language. And the two biggest words that we used for sign language was more, and the other one was milk. So, um, <laughs> so it was always like more, milk, eat. Um, but then it happened one day, I was reading a book, and in fact, this is the kind of mom I am, Guess what? I saved the book. I was reading him a book, and I was pointing, it was a Winnie the Pooh book, and I was pointing to all the animals, and I pointed to this owl right here, and I said owl, and Hayden's first word, and out of his mouth, the silence was broke, and he said, owl? And you would have thought he would have won the Olympics and the Super Bowl combined. I was calling my mom and everybody. It was like, Hayden speaks, he has a voice. <laughs> but then there comes a point, you know, and he just went into full-on sentences, started reading, but then there comes a point where they get a little bit older. And all of a sudden, you don't celebrate all of the things that they say. <laughs> and they become teenagers. And this could be one of the most trying times as a parent when it comes to communication or the lack thereof. And there was a moment to where I had to make a presentation in front of a group of his peers. And on the way home, he told me that I had made a fool of myself. Now, that was probably a very accurate statement. <laughs> but you know, there's some times to where you tell somebody, somebody something and maybe they had a bad day, or maybe they had a lot of stress and the timing was not good. And it landed when he said that to me, and man, those words stung deep. And I was so hurt that I could not even talk. Have you ever been so hurt you're like, man, you don't wanna hear what I have to say, I am like shutting down? And he tried to apologize and I said, don't. I said, I can't take it right now, and in fact, the whole Van Ride home was like silent, and everybody's like, Mom, are you okay? And I was crying, but it, it hurt so much. 
And I think it really disturbed him, and it disturbed my, all of my children, and seeing me in such distress. And there are moments of maturity in our lives where we discover that our words have power, that they can hurt or heal, that they can build or tear down. And all of us have had to learn that hard lesson. And there's a shame that comes, you're like, oh, why did I do that? But the real shame comes when we fail to correct it. And I can honestly say as hard as that night was in our family, it was a turning point of how we learn to speak to one another or to be sensitive to each other. And all of us, including me, have been guilty of unleashing words at the wrong time or I was just kidding or being sarcastic. But what could have torn us apart actually brought us together. And can I say this about Hayden? He is my biggest cheerleader. He is my biggest encourager. And whenever I preach or he shares, he says, Mom, you did such a great job. And he comes up and he gives me a big hug. So even if I totally bomb this morning, I know that there is somebody who will be cheering me on and telling me I did good. So thank you, Hayden. But all of us have been the recipient of either words or words we shouldn't have spoken to another person. And we have deep regret for failing to censor this small appendage in our mouth. In fact, if you read biographies and memoirs of history, they're filled with stories of how words spoken, especially at a young age, have influenced and altered future destinies and decisions. Paul and I recently uh, got a trip of a lifetime. We went to Prague, which is in the Czech Republic. And you know, when you visit a place, you're like, what do I see? You see the castles or whatever, but there's all these museums. And one of the museums we went to, it was the Franz Kafka Museum. Now, I don't know much about Franz Kafka. All I know is he wrote a, a, a story about a guy who turns into a bug. But he is considered, what I learned, to be one of the most influential writers of the 20th century. And what really fascinated me as we went through this museum was how his troubled relationship with his demanding and distant father permeated his writing. And it permeated his entire life. And his dad insisted that he study law and he forget about his writing career. And so he became a very successful lawyer for his dad, but inwardly he wanted to be a writer and his true desire was to do that. And so he struggled trying to please his dad while following his passion to write. And he wrote a very famous letter to his father. And I'm just gonna read you this excerpt of what he wrote. And he said this, he says, and I could never understand while you were insensitive to the sorrow and shame you inflicted on me with your words and judgment. It was that I, it was as if you didn't sense your own power. And then Kafka's saying this to his dad, and certainly I made you ill with words, but I knew what I was doing, though it hurt me. But I could not control myself. I couldn't hold back my words, though I regretted them. But you landed blows with your words and with, and you were clueless. 
You never pitied anybody, not then, not later, and people, people were defenseless before you. And you could see why he was such a celebrated writer. Can you imagine the kinds of exchanges that would evoke such emotion? But more than that, all of us have had these kinds of words inflicted on us that have wounded us and have left us broken. Franz Kafka never reconciled with his father. In fact, the mental toll of that relationship brought him to an early grave. A tongue has no bones, but it can break a heart. And that's what happens. It breaks hearts, but it can also turn people heartless. We read about atrocities in history, and even today there's horrible, horrible things that take place. And I think we can all agree that gun violence needs to end, our cities and streets need to be safe, and school shootings should never be something that students, teachers, or parents should ever have to worry about. And there's all kinds of fixes and band-aids and laws being thrown out there desperate to solve this crisis. And people are taking sides and they differ on the how, but I think we can all agree this morning that it needs to stop. In fact, there was a study done by um, the Washington Post and they said that average school shooter is 16 years old. And the world's solution is behavior management, legislating morality, but true transformation comes not from behavior management or a list of do's and don'ts, but from the transformation of the heart. And there's only one solution that breaks, and I believe it's the demonic chain of violence and the unspeakable horror, and that is in the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we are ambassadors. We have that power within us, and we as ambassadors of Jesus here on earth are tasked to do something about it. It's what goes on in our homes. It's what goes on in our schools. It goes what goes on in our places of worship, our discipleship classes, our outreach. It's providing a place of acceptance and safety. Even what Pastor Rick was talking about, a place of love and community where the brokenhearted can find refuge and healing, where those who have no place are valued. You know what, when I got ordained, I got a lot of flowers and cards, but my friend Allie gave me a gift, and it was this little sheep right here. And to me, it was a reminder that all people are valuable to God and to go after the one, not wait for them to come, but for us to go after them. What did Jesus do? In Luke 19, 10, he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. That came from the story of Zacchaeus, an outcast, a loner. Among the religious, he was branded a sinner, but Jesus inserted himself, not only with action, but declaring him in word as a son of Abraham, one of God's children. That one word, that one proclamation transformed Zacchaeus from a reject into royalty. And there's something that's even more powerful than any gun law 
or locked door to halt the evil whose sole agenda is to still kill and destroy. And you know what? This generation is not going to come to us. We need to seek them out. We need to see them. We need to value them, surround them, and speak life into their souls. Yesterday, there was a training for a ministry called Royal Family Kids Camp. And that's exactly what it does. It goes out to those, those lost sheep, those who have been left to tend for themselves. And that is what we're called to do, to go and seek that which is lost. And that is how we change the world. Amen? Yes, we could clap for that. <laughs> so the goal this morning is to lead us into an understanding of how we can become stronger as a church, stronger as a believer, and be an agent of change and influence in our community through the world through harnessing the power of our, wor our words. A mouth change, first of all, begins with a heart change. Luke 6, 45 says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. We've heard this before. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If our heart isn't right, our mouths will follow suit. So let's go back to the scripture in James. Now listen to this, when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Our heart sits at the seat of our soul and this tiny appendage can lead to safety or crash and burn. Who is in the driver's seat of your soul? Who's, who's, who's the captain of your heart? Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance for, for from it flow the springs of life. Right. Students, that means guarding your eyes. Be careful, your ears, your hands, your feet. Graduates, if I could give you guys any advice out there, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Your greatest influence is who you choose to surround yourself with. I love, uh, there's all these studies and books coming out, but they always seem to, the truth lines up with God's word because God's word is truth, right? And there was a book, it's called Atomic Habits. It's, it's on the best-selling list and he puts it this way. He says, whenever we're unsure how to act, we look to the group to guide our behavior. We're constantly scanning Amazon, Yelp, or TripAdvisor because we want to imitate the best buying, eating, and travel habits. And it's usually a pretty smart strategy, right? Does it have five stars, four stars? Did it work, did it not work? But there is a downside. The normal behavior of a tribe often overpowers the desired behavior of an individual. For example, there is a study of chimpanzees and I don't know why they give them these crazy things to do, but they found one group of chimpanzees, they found a very effective way of cracking nuts. So they were like expert, efficient nutcrackers. So this is group one. So then they took the chimpanzee from group one 
and they put him into group two, and they were nutcrackers too. But their nutcracking uh, strategy was not as efficient or good. But do you know what chimpanzee one did in, in group two? Did he keep his effective nutcracking skills? No, he adopted what group two was doing just to blend in with these chimps. And humans are similar. There's a tremendous internal pressure to comply with the norms of this group. The reward of being accepted, he wrote, is often greater than the reward of winning an argument, looking smart, or finding the truth. That's scary. Most days, we'd rather be wrong with the crowd than right by ourselves. And this morning as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know what, that's from God's word. It says, Proverbs 14, two says, there's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. Who are you guys surrounding yourselves with? What influences are you allowing to normalize the behavior in your lives? And is it God honoring? Graduates, the rhythm of your life is about to change. And it's one of the greatest challenges. It's gonna take a major twist. And the statistic, scary enough, is we had this huge group and only a third of them are going to be consistent in church. And the other three quarters, it's very, that left, it's, it's probably the chances are that they are never gonna come back. And just as you guys are planning your major, your jobs, where you're going to live, now is the time to being strategic of how am I going to fit and prioritize my relationship with God. Stay connected, reach out, seek out. And you know what, us who are seasoned, we're here for you guys. And we need to reach out and we need to seek out because we need each other. We are stronger and we are better together. So it starts with your heart. Guard your heart. What are you surrounding yourself with? Words are free. It's how you use them that may cost you. Proverbs 18.2 says, there is the power of life and death in the tongue. The potency, that's where we get our words for potential, what the future could be. Something in the future, potential. And you know what, I'm excited about the future. How many of you guys are excited? This is an exciting day. We are launching into a new season and we all get to be a part of it. And I can't think of a better time right now at this moment for us to all learn how to manage our words and to start speaking life into our future. So I just have a couple of quick points of what the Bible says on how we can tame our toxic tongues. And the first one is this, is a toxic tongue is contaminated. In the message, James 3, 5 through 6 says, by our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it, right, smoke right from the pit of hell. One accusation, one tainted comment can disrupt everything. And Pastor Nate emphasized last week that one of the highest values that he desires for our church is unity. So how do we combat a toxic tongue, a contaminated tongue? We combat it with clean lips. Is what I say true or is it my truth? When we're speaking about somebody, do we speak as if they're in the room? 
To have clean lips requires purity. I was thinking about this. Have you guys ever had one of those Brita water filter things? And it's like you're sitting there waiting for it. And sometimes it takes time for us to filter, to purify what's coming out of our mouths. Most of the time we just let it, let it go and see what happens. But I like this uh, acronym and we've taught it in our classes before, but it's just called think. Think before you speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? If we all slowed down and filter our mouths, imagine what would happen. The second uh, toxic tongue is callous. A, a tongue that is callous, it's rough, insensitive, and abrasive. Proverbs 12:18 says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Many of you guys remember Josh McDowell. He said this, he goes, rules without relationship equals, anybody? Rebellion. In the same way, often this, the Often the truth spoken without love breeds resentment. And as a parent, how many times has this played out? It's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. So a tongue that is callous can be combated with compassion. When someone is harsh and combative, it shuts the doors of our hearts and we become defensive and put up walls. We combat it with compassion and compassion is just coming alongside in the situation. I love James 1 because it says, be quick to listen. And really that's what compassion is, is tell me your story. Tell me where you're coming from. Hold on, I'm not gonna do any prejudgment because I have no idea what I'm walking into. I'm gonna take a moment and just be 100% focused on you and see where you're at. It says, quick to listen, slow to anger and slow to speak. And often, when I take a moment and put myself in that person's situation, it gives me the ability to all of a sudden respond with gentleness and understanding instead of frustration and wrath. I think as human beings, we love to be the fixer, we love to be the savior, but there is only one savior and that is Jesus Christ. And I think we need to start doing a lot more listening and a lot less talking and a more, lot more listening to the Holy Spirit. And one of the greatest things that has come out of this pandemic has been compassion. It's equalized all of us. It's given us the ability to see that we are all struggling and all of us are frail. I used to have these leaders and people that were, that were on like some sort of podium this close to Jesus and man, everybody just got in their pajamas and lost it for a while. <laughs> and I remember I remember the threat when uh, they shut down schools and my kids went back to school and then all of a sudden they said, oh, it's coming back and, and we might have to shut down schools again. And this was in the morning. And my kids, like, they totally just like started flipping out. We have to like, we have to stay home again. And you know what, before COVID, I'm kind of, I'm, I look really nice, but I'm one of like, those like moms who's like, I, I throw eyes and I'm like this to them. Before that, I would force them to buck up, get over it and quit whining. 
Instead, that morning when they're like, oh, we have to stay home and study again, I, instead I just sat with them and I grieved with them in their loss. And you know what? I let them, it says it takes, sometimes it takes three days to process emotion. Did you guys know that? Sometimes when you feel something, we don't have to take emotion in. We could just let it vibrate through us. But I let that emotion come. I sat there with them in it. And then after a moment, they moved through that emotion. And then I, I sent them off to school again. So, <laughs> but Proverbs 15:1 says this. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many times, if we would just kind of just have a little bit of compassion, we still get the same results, but all hell doesn't have to break, up, break loose in your home, amen? A tongue, another toxic, uh, another toxic, uh, how do I say that? Another, transforming your toxic tongue, another sign of a toxic tongue is a tongue that is careless. Carelessness has nothing to do with motive or agenda. Often it's when we're just not paying attention and we let down our guard. You know, coming from Arizona, even now, like the high of where I used to live is 104, today's high. And so coming from Arizona on the news every summer before it would get really hot, the news stations would remind um, parents to make sure you watch your children around water, lock those gates around the pool because every summer there would be a small child who would drown because they were either left unsupervised or someone forgot to lock the gate. In fact, we had a former student from our youth group who left his child in his car on the way to work and he forgot about the baby and the baby died. And it was devastating not only for his family but for him and that guilt that he, had to, that he still has to carry to the rest of his life, all because those tiny careless moments, a second of oversight caused unimaginable destruction. One of our students read earlier from James, likewise, the tongue, a small part of the body, but it, and it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. Some of you guys may remember this. On September 2nd, 2017, a forest fire erupted in the Eagle Creek drainage, a popular hiking and swimming area 40 miles east of downtown Portland, Oregon. The resulting blaze burned for nearly three months before being completely contained on November 30th. It destroyed three homes, miles of scenic and wilderness area trails, delayed marine and train traffic through the Columbia River Gorge for several days, and closed Interstate 84 for almost three weeks. All told, the fire burned over 48,000 acres, an area more than half the size of the city of Portland. The firefighting effort involved over a thousand people and is estimated to have cost $20 million. While it wasn't the largest fire in Oregon's history, its proximity to Portland and the reverence Northwesterners have for the gorge makes it among the most significant. All right, so I have on here, these guys help me a little. Here you can go ahead, there we go. 48,000 acres, how many of you guys remember that? 
It was scary. And you could literally, your eyes would burn from the smoke that was coming through the Columbia River Gorge. And, and what could have caused such a great, great fire and destruction? And I was thinking it maybe something like this. Maybe it was a big bonfire. Maybe it was, um, you know, they had fireworks going off. But really, you know what it was caused by? The fire started when a group of teenagers were hiking on the Eagle Creek Trail. And a 15-year-old boy threw one smoke bomb into a forested area. A witness saw the group giggling, unaware of the danger. That one careless act, that one firework, that one spark grew into a fire that burned thousands of acres, threatening the heart of the Columbia River Gorge, costing millions of dollars in damages. And really the results of the actions can't be quantified by the destruction and the economic impact on the region. Can you imagine how that young man felt? He was absolutely mortified by what happened. In fact, he was charged with $36 million in restitution. His mother said this is trauma for him and she admitted it was his mistake, his careless act. The teen said this, every day I think about this terrible decision and its awful consequences. I know I have to live with my bad decision for the rest of my life. Listen to what James, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark, a tongue that is careless, but we need to combat it with cautious lips. Psalm 141.3 says, set a guard before my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 13.3 says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. How many families have been fractured, churches split, countries divided, and wars ensue, all because of some carelessly misfired words. So this morning as I close, there's something that is even more powerful than our tongues. In fact, in our verses this morning, it says, who can contain the tongue? Who can have power over it? As human beings, we do not, there's no way that on our own that we can, we can take care of this appendage. But what is more powerful than our tongues, our tongues that hold life and death, it is the power of Jesus, the creator of life and the one who conquered death. You know, death comes in many forms. Maybe it's the death of a dream, death of a relationship, death of your true identity. You fill in the blank, but when the name of Jesus is spoken, demons flee, they have to go. When the name of Jesus is spoken, chains are loosed. When you speak the name of Jesus, healing comes, peace overwhelms us. And this is the exciting part that even happened this morning. When you speak the name of Jesus, salvation comes. It says all we have to do is call on the name of Jesus. I want you guys to stand this morning and you know what, I have all these fireworks up here and they represent power. And a lot of damage 
can be done just from one spark. But what if we all together in in unity harnessed that power, that Holy Spirit. Do you know the word Holy Spirit power is dunamis? And it's the word for dynamite power. And we could set this world on fire for Jesus where depression, where suicide, violence, anger, disunity, addiction, perversion, greed, envy, jealousy, abuse are all destroyed and cast into hell by just proclaiming the name of Jesus. By speaking life to every situation, to every person that we encounter around the world and across the street. Do you believe that is possible? Say it like you mean it. Do you believe it's possible? Mark 9, 23, when he cast out a demon, he said, Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. Let's believe in the power of Jesus this morning. I want us, we're gonna sing this song. I want you to open your mouth and declare with your lips that there is no power like the power of Jesus. Trust you for it, God. 
I will believe. I will believe. For greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe. For greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like His power. There's nothing that our God can do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing, there's nothing that Jesus can't do. There's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Oh, sing, oh. Father. Thank you, Jesus. I bless you, uh, this congregation this morning, God, and just thank you for all you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, and all of us said, amen. amen. Be blessed. Have a great day. And if you need prayer this morning, come down. we got people who will believe with you. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, Visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.